Hello there, you're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Friday the 15th of December. In this last podcast of this type this year, I'm joined by Duncan Balkan, who is a Watson's Daily Ambassador. Hey there, Duncan, how are you doing today? Hi, Peter, yeah, well, other than the obvious sadness about this being my last podcast of the year, I'm doing pretty well, how are you? <laughs> very, very good, you're sounding, sounding, still sounding... Managing to sound perky though, which is good. Uh, I'm putting on a brave face. It's emotional. (laughs) Well, I mean, it is, um, yeah, it's going to be the last one of these kinds of um, uh, podcasts. Uh, There are, I have actually recorded uh, a couple of other um, sort of one off podcasts. um, So they'll be coming out. But uh, yeah, this will be the last of this type of podcast for this year. Uh, before we launch, don't worry, it will come back next year, so don't worry about that. <laughs> anyway, right, so um, which um, story from today's Watson's Daily have you picked out today? Yeah, so I've decided to uh, put my big boy pants on today and be brave. <laughs> and uh, so for anyone that doesn't know that's listening to the podcast, I changed jobs about 18 months ago, and I've mm-hmm. deliberately avoided talking about the industry I've moved into ever since. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to pick one with that industry, though, for today, because why not? It's, it's nearly Christmas. Uh, what could go wrong? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so this, this is a, it's a story originally from the Daily Telegraph. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about our transport secretary, Mark Harper. Harper, sorry, I shouldn't know his name, but I should know Mark Harper, uh, announcing that his plans to make a government-backed ticketing app for the railway uh, have now been abandoned. Mm. So it was an idea that was originally backed by um, Grant Chaps, who used to be transport secretary, mm-hmm. um, and the idea was to have a centralised website and smartphone app that would, um, <clears throat> amongst other things, make it easier to claim refunds on tickets mm-hmm. across the board, but also kind of give a I guess, an overview of ticketing across the whole rail network in this country. Mm-hmm. So, a few interesting things about this. I'll, um, I'm not sure what to do these. And first of all, I think people like the train line will probably be quite relieved this plan's being, being canned mm-hmm. because it basically would be a like-for-like like if it worked for what the train line offer currently. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, you've got something like-for-like like that's government-backed. It's not going to be that great for you as a business, I'd imagine. Yeah. yeah. So, I imagine they'll be breathing a sigh of relief. Uh-huh. And the other, the other thing I find interesting about this, looking from kind of inside the industry, is I can't see how an app like this could possibly work. And I know there's been a lot of scepticism about how effective it could be, which is one of the reasons yeah. that this is being canned, as well as yeah. the fact they want, to, they want to focus on liaising more with the private sector to try and get a better solution. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I think criticism of kind of how effective this sort of app could be is another big reason why it's being canned. Mm. Um, And I would say that is probably a fair assessment based on the fact that actually the train line itself, who are a private company specialising in exactly this, Mm. still haven't perfected this yet. Um, Mm. So many people will know, I think, um, from travelling by train, if everyone's had the fortune or misfortune of having to do that, um, that ticketing is not a simple thing to understand um, you've got all varieties, all different types of ticketing pricing structures, different ticket types that are only valid in certain services. The fact that every company calls those different ticket types different things. Um, it's not an easy thing to get your head around. Um, and recently, uh, the RMT union won quite a big battle with the government to keep um, ticket offices open, which I think personally, again, from within the industry is a fantastic thing because that's one, I think, resource to help people understand this minefield of ticketing structures. Um, mm. The other thing that I'm, I'm trying not to 
specifically criticize one company here because it's not just the train line that do this but mm -hmm. any app that tries to predict things based off a lot of different train companies some mm -hmm. of whom are some of whom are privately owned some of whom are government run because they've been taken under an umbrella because they went bankrupt previously some of whom work have hybrid trying to predict what all of those companies trains are doing at once is a really difficult thing to do mm -hmm. so i'll give an example um quite often on these apps um like the train line you'll see your your ticket, your train will come up on the app and it'll tell you this is going to leave from King's Cross Platform 1. What it won't tell you is that's a provisional platform and that something else is currently on that platform, so probably don't go and get on that train yet. Mm. So we have a lot of, um, where I work, which is King's Cross Station, we have a lot of instances where customers sit there and go, well, it says it's on Platform 1, and we're going, well, it might be in 45 minutes' time, but on the basis you want to go to Reading and that train train's going to Aberdeen, I wouldn't get on it. Mm. Um, and, and that, that sort of general conversation. So mm. th those apps have their limitations. And you mm. would just imagine that if that app was also being government run, that becomes, I think, an even bigger minefield of, mm. uh, of problems. Like I said, the train line and others specialize in this, mm. and even they haven't perfected it yet. So I think the idea that a government app could just suddenly come in and run the whole thing is a little bit pie in the sky, personally. Mm. So um, mm. I think I think it's interesting. Obviously, it's been kind. Of, I think it's good news for the, the private companies like the train line that do mm. that do uh, like like for like apps with this. Um, mm. Realistically, I think your your two solutions are either leave companies to run their own apps because most of them have those now, mm. where customers get I would argue a better quality of information, mm. or like like you said in the in the daily, try and find a private sector company and liaise with them and try and find someone to specialise in that that's maybe subcontracted rather than the government trying to do it themselves. So, mm. yeah, I just found it interesting, like I said, and something from where I work, which is always mm. always, always nice to talk about. Absolutely. So, what's your take on this one? Yeah, I mean, I think that this is great news as well, because if you think that it's hard enough for a company like Trainline, which do, this is what they this is their thing, if it's hard enough for them to do it, God knows what it will be like for... Um, you know, the government to give it a go because you can just imagine that the government will put it out to tender and everyone's eyes is going to, are going to light up. They're going to, they're going to put a couple of zeros on the end of what they'd normally charge. Um, and then no doubt it would, they would, it would take too long. It would go over budget and it will be another, you know, a, another disaster. Um, and I think that at the moment, you know, they've, it's not a good idea. I think, I think this is I think this idea was a bit frivolous, really. Mm. Um, you know, again, maybe trying to reinvent the wheel, maybe this was all part of trying to simplify the very confusing rail fare system. You know, I mean, I know um that you know when I lived in Japan, um people would uh, say, you know, well, why is it that you have different fares? Because, you know, if I wanted to go from I don't know, Shinjuku to Ikebukuro, and it, let, let's say it was uh, 500 yen or something, um, then, um, and, and you know, it would cost me, you know, 1,000 yen, so 500 times two to go there and back. Mm -hmm. Whereas, um, here, you know, it, the equivalent over here is like, oh, yeah, but of course, if you go at peak time, then it's going to, so like, if I go from Guildford to London, it's going to cost me, if I want that, like, as, a, as a, with a travel card, so with the, underground stuff at the end of it it's about 40 <laughs> quid um if i go at peak time um if i start at i don't know whether it is 10 o'clock 10 30 or something then it goes down to you know 34 quid or so or whatever uh and then if i'm going out you know at four o'clock in the afternoon going out and it's an evening out 
ticket, then it's less again, you know. So it's just, you know, the, the, it is confusing, but I do think that it is, um, you know, it's intended. There's a reason why they, there are these um, these tickets, because they are trying to obviously try to make sure that more passengers are spread across more times of the day. Um, so although it is annoying and confusing, there is method behind it. But mm. the problem is, is if everyone's using different things and different times and dick calling calling the tickets different names very confusing yeah like so you'll, anyway. you'll have an off-peak rail card an off-peak saver an off-peak super saver yeah. across yeah. three different companies and you're like, well, yeah is it the same thing is it a different thing i, I don't yes. understand <laughs> yeah exactly so so anyway so i think that um overall i mean it, it was a bit of a silly idea in the first place i think um but you know at least they stopped it now um and you know leaving it to the companies that should um be able to do a better job i i would have thought so so yeah so I, uh, that's good and and uh, train like but you know i think the thing is over time so initially when this news came out you know the share price got an absolute pasting mm. um uh, but um you know i think over time i think investors have generally you know come to the point of view that is it likely if it is likely it's going to take years and um and so train lines okay in the meantime but you know this is obviously um a proof proof of that but it's probably it looks like a lot of this has been in the price so so yeah, yeah. but but anyway at least it draws a line under it and it makes life easier for train lines so hopefully they can you know continue to improve their their offering Absolutely, yeah. So, like I said, I found that very interesting this morning. Um, obviously, like I said, I've, I've got a bit of a vested interest, but still quite interesting. Uh, what was your favourite story in today's Watson's Daily Peter? And make it a good one, as it's the last one of the year. Yeah, well, well talk, <laughs> talking of vested interests, <laughs> um, talking of vested interests. So, I'm going to bring together uh, a story that came out that, that I mentioned in yesterday's um, Watson's Daily and today's Watson's Daily. So, this was um, a deal between um, German publisher um axel springer um which has publications like um i think it was it build politico and business insider so um it has done a deal with OpenAI um to use the con its content to train its model so uh i think this is you know this is a good it, it i think it's an, for an undisclosed amount and i don't know if there is a, an end date to that, you know, if there's an end date to this. Um, but anyway, it's interesting. I think it will mean that uh, it means that OpenAI's content will be better because at the end of the day, uh, a, a model is only as good as the, uh, you know, an AI model is only as good as the, um, as the content that it consumes. So this means that it will have better content, more up-to-date content, which is great um for uh for open ai it means that axel springer can can monetize um its content um so that's good um but the prop there but you know the prop there are a number of potential problems so first of all i would suggest that this is a short-term solution to a long-term problem so i think that the short-term solution um is all is is about getting money for con for content now so that's mm. one that's one thing but the problem is is that 
yes, you're you're training it on content that is human generated. But the problem is, is that over time, the argument is that they won't pay quite as much for it, uh, for this content. And the incentive for people to join the industry of being a journalist to write the good stuff is going to be less because people will think, well, what's the point? I mean, people just use AI anyway, so why why would I even bother? Mm. Um, so uh, so I think there's, you know, there's an element, um, you know, there's there's an element of that. Um, and I and, you know, there was some very interesting stuff from today's uh, article in the Lex column. Um, which was saying about how um, this, these draw a very interesting comparison between this, where you've got open AI kind of, you know, being questioned about um, ethics and things like that, you know, people questioning that and then saying, okay, here we have, this is legit, you know, this isn't just scraping the internet, this is legit stuff. Uh, and uh, making a comparison between that and what happened with Meta and Google when they were accused of spreading false information relatively soon after that, they signed uh, deals with news publishers, but then those were then allowed to lapse and the content has reverted to being a bit, well, so not quite as good quality, should we say. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so I thought this was very this was very interesting because it shows, you know, is another example of the advance of, of AI. And the reason why, obviously, I I have a vested interest in this is because um, what I'm doing with Watson's Daily is um, assimilating vast quantities of information, interpreting it, and then you know, and and then and then putting it out there in Watson's Daily, um, but you know, I. I guess you could say that it is, um, you know, is it the beginning of the end for something like Watson's Daily? Uh, I, I mean, I would like to think that people value Watson's Daily from the sense that it's a human at the end of it um, who is assimilating vast quantities of information, but overlaying that with my 13 years of experience as a, as a stockbroker talking about this stuff all day, every day to very, you know demanding clients um that i know i got a sense of i know what people are interested in why they're interested in it and what the sort of history is maybe in some cases and what the implications may be and i'm hoping that people will value that rather and you know of course there'll be others who'll go well it doesn't matter you know tough luck i'm just going to use ai which is like well obviously you know i can't i can't stop that um, but what I would say is that obviously, you know, it's like mine is is very is is very human, and you know, it comes it comes from a lot of work and a lot of experience um, that is you know trying to put it in a certain way. So, so yeah. But I mean, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I think the last point you made is quite interesting. I think it, you're right. If people just want a load of information assimilated stuck in one place, then I think yeah, AI could potentially replicate that. I think if they want kind of an educated and, like I said, informed opinion, and mm. then obviously the ability to kind of discuss it and things, because obviously you offer a forum with Watson's Daily, mm. uh, and also you're the addition of having things like the podcast where you can hear two humans actually talking about these stories, mm. I think adds kind of a, almost like a layer of protection on, on top mm. of it. 
Because mm. it's not just it's not just Watson's Daily. Other businesses that do things a similar way. Um, mm. You know what I mean? If you have those extra layers to what you do, I think you're probably okay. But you're mm. right. There are. If it was just a case of here's all the day's news and that's all someone wanted, and AI could replicate that. Mm. I think the other mm. thing you said is quite interesting as well. The the timing of this, like it's mm. very good timing to kind of make themselves look a bit more legit. Mm. Like I said, like Meta and and the like mm. not that long ago. Mm. And you have to wonder if that's going or how long that's going to last for. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like I said, whether it's a case of they'll sign this deal in a year down the line, and go right, we look legit now, move on. Mm. Um, Absolutely. And the other, I think the other thing I think is interesting is this is another, we talked about actuaries the other day. Mm-hmm. This is another industry where, like you said, will people go and qualify in it? Because if you can foresee 10 years down the line, your job might be done by AI. Would you really want to go and qualify mm. and p- pursue this? But then that, like you said, that leaves a really interesting situation where if people avoid going into journalism, there's less of the original content for the AI to pick at. Mm. then means is it going to end up drawing your news stories from social media because there aren't enough humans writing the original stories to begin with Mm. i think it's a really interesting balance there because much as ai could in theory replace um journalists you Mm. need journalists there to make the content to start with or people that are eloquent enough at writing to create the original content Mm. and i don't think you can find that in no offense to anyone in influencers in people Mm. that post about the news on on social media i think you need proper trained qualified journalists Mm. to do that in the first place so much as their role is replaceable i don't think you can ever fully replace them because yeah Mm. i think i think your quality of content would go down if that happened Mm. yeah i agree and i mean i have to say as well that uh, i forgot whether i've said this on the previous podcast but um i have um you know uh a few months back um i did actually try to use ai to write watson's daily in the sense that um i tried to get it to summarize um the stories and uh because i thought well i could get ai to do that and then i could do the interpretation of the stories and um i thought initially i thought oh this is brilliant you know did it brilliant but then the more i looked at it and the more i looked at the, the what came out i sp- I ended up spending more time editing the and correcting the AI generated content that in the end I was thinking, well, I'm just basically doubling the work for myself. I mean, I might as well just write it anyway. So <laughs> actually I, you know, I reverted. So I, I tried it for a few weeks. So I thought I'll give it a good go because I thought, I mean, you know, I mean, listen, I know that I get, I get up at 4am to write Watson's daily. Right. And, and, uh, that ain't natural, okay? It ain't natural. I do not enjoy getting up at 4am, but I know that it's necessary for me to spend the time to look at the news articles and, and do all of that stuff. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I... Yeah, it was just... It was just... Uh, yeah, I was thinking, this. I really want this to work. This is the thing. I really wanted it to work. But Yeah, I, just... I remember having that conversation with you where you said this could make... Like oh, yeah. a few in the mornings, and then about a week later, went, yeah, no, it just doesn't provide the quality. It's not. I need. Yeah. yeah, it's just it was it was annoying. I really wanted it to work, and it just didn't do it. So, um, so anyway, um, yeah, I went went back to do, just doing what I did, and 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 there we are. But, um, but anyway, you know, we'll see how it goes. It's an interesting one. I think if you know, the likes of OpenAI particularly can convince 
um, other but bigger publishers to to have some kind of um, agreement, then you know that will definitely make them a lot better. So mm, uh, we'll we'll see. But anyway, um, I guess we better end end on that note. Um, it's probably uh, it's probably pretty fitting. We've finished uh, twenty twenty three talking about AI, isn't it? Really? Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. For the year. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so yeah, so I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's been a, it's been an interesting year. And talking about interesting years. Um, I'm going to be writing um, the annual review of 2023 and the preview of 2024. Um, and I'm going to be presenting, of, obviously, a shortened version of that um, and an easier to digest version of that, I guess, um, at the at the beginning of um at the beginning of uh, January, uh, when we come back, well, I say beginning, I think it's, it's the 16th, I think, um, going to be doing it. Um, so if you want to sign up for that, it is free. Um, I would strongly uh, suggest you, you, um, you know, listeners um, tune into that uh, because what it does is it will give you the context of what happened over the year because it's quite useful to be reminded of, of this stuff. And then um, a, maybe a bit of a uh, an insight into the uh, into the coming year, themes to watch out for, that sort of stuff. Um, but I think that that's a, it's a good thing to do. It will set you up for the year. It's the sort of thing that I, I had um, some, you know, I had this kind of thing when I was a broker. We used to send out this kind of thing, um, and I used to, I have seen other com- many other companies doing the same thing and seen all the different styles and whatnot. So that's what I'm doing. Uh, that is what I will be doing while I am in, in you know, in uh, inverted commas uh, off. Um, and uh, I will be, I'm actually going to see uh, a office today, which I think that I'm going to go for. And it's a very, it's the smallest office. It has no windows and I'm hiring it for a month so that I can actually go in there and just write this thing because <laughs> it takes ages to write. But hopefully it was, I'll be able to sort it out quickly by having zero distractions and maybe even, you know, be able to have a couple of days off uh, over, the, over the Christmas period. But we'll see what happens. Um, <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much, um, Duncan, you know, for all your uh ongoing contributions to this podcast so um thank you very much thanks for having me no problem and thank you especially to all the listeners who very kindly um listen to this podcast um really do appreciate it by the way i noticed recently that um i there have been a lot of comments on on it and the reason why i haven't replied to virtually all of them is because i couldn't work out how to do it (laughs) so i'm not ignoring people it's just a case of i can't quite work out how to actually get back so i will work out i sort of worked it out recently so um if anyone leaves any comments i will get i will try my best to get back to them but uh it's been a tough old year uh and i do need a bit of sleep so anyway but anyway leave it there i hope you have a brilliant um uh, holiday period christmas um a new year uh hope you, whatever it is you you get up to um and uh i'll be back again at the, uh you know in january next year and uh yeah and so with the podcast so anyway thank you very much indeed have a great uh day time whatever you're doing and we'll be back again next year Many thanks. Thanks. bye